Medicare for all. Your bros can suck my balls. Fuck your reply, guys. Please don't fuck your reply, guys. Just listen to reply, guys. Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys. The leftist comedy podcast for everyone. I'm Kate Willett. And I'm Mohanad Al-Sheikhi. And we're here today with a very special guest who I'm just a huge, huge, huge fan of. Um, welcome, Josh, from the Radical Planning YouTube channel. Hey. And Josh, okay, so Josh is... Josh is the I I would say uh, the best and probably the only leftist urban planning content out there that you can really <laughs> find. Um, I you know yesterday I sent or maybe the day before I sent Mohanad some tweets like from you know the like supply supply guys type people and he was like holy yeah. fuck what is this what the fuck I think I sent him that tweet yeah. from Sonia Trous that said gentrification is the revaluing of black land to its correct price. And it, he was just like, this is, what are these people doing? I, yeah, yeah, I know. Kay has been sending me these tweets and I truly never knew that type of humans even existed. Like it felt like, it felt like very bad parody. And I was just like, this is, can't be real. And then the more I look into it, I'm like, no, these are people who are just like very genuine about their bad ideas. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so sorry she brought you into this. Well, I'm not, I'm, I'm <laughs> no, to... it's okay. I need I need to know. People need to know that this exists. But so I guess you know to like kind of go to like a you know more macro level. Like, why is like why are urban planning issues and uh you know like just this space? Why is it so full of really? bad right-wing ideas even as yeah. with something like healthcare you know we we have made a lot of progress you know on getting people to understand that like a you know a single payer public healthcare system would be the best uh option you know that getting like corporations actually out of this business would be great but like with urban planning it feels like the discourse on this is very stuck in this like super neoliberal shitty 90s frame i why do you think that is um well you know i've been an urban planner for almost a decade and i used to like not want to talk to anybody about it because it's just it it, there's a lot of stuff you kind of need to know you know it's something that i was trained to do and Mm -hmm. i received a master's degree for it and you know i don't want to sound like a technocrat but there's a lot of things going on. And I think the biggest thing is that since the neoliberal turn, urban planning kind of became after the finance industry, maybe the first tool of the government to like implement a neoliberal agenda. And yeah. uh, I think that the the way that urban planning plays out, it can't really be done by the state without being neoliberal. So when people like get excited about walkable cities or, things that are good, um, trains, whatever, whatever you want. Um, they'll look into urban planning, they're like, Oh, I, I get it. And then they'll like, just run with these ideas that a lot of urban planners are, you know, really fighting back against and like trying to find other ways to get things done and like make good things happen without having to like throw your community under the bus to, to get something to happen. Um, so I think that 
people just generally like look at it at the surface level and everything on the surface level we have is a neoliberal lens right now. So, um, you know, the, to take the dive into something more leftist uh, requires some reading, requires work. Uh, mm-hmm. And then as far as work goes, uh, these urbanist ideas are just easy to believe. Like they're just, it, it means that like, I don't have to do anything. I just have to believe in the market and believe that the market will give us what we want. And there's like mm-hmm. the use of the word we in, in this sense, like they're, they think that we're a part of it. Like we are with the developers, like we get to decide what happens together. Yeah. But obviously through deregulation, you are removing your ability to, to have any control over what's going on in your own community. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously a lot of this like discourse is, is focused on the housing crisis and particularly the, you know, specifically that there's not a lot of housing available for people who are low income, middle income, that the options, there are apartments, you know, despite what people love to say about this, but they're very, there's a lot, like, I think I saw um the vacancy report from last year in new york and it was like a 1.5 vacancy rate for apartments that cost less than fifteen hundred dollars and then there was a 12 percent vacancy rate for apartments that cost over twenty three hundred dollars and i'm sure that those numbers are a little different now but like the basic principle of like yeah like you know the more money you can pay the easier it is to find an apartment I mean, that's a real like uh, no duh kind of situation. Yeah. yeah. And like to me, you know, if you're just looking at this from like it just, you know, completely like uh, just without political factors. OK, well, the obvious solution to that is to make more stuff that cost fifteen hundred dollars or less, <laughs> you yeah. know, like that's to me like okay, there's obviously huge demands for apartments that are, you know, cheap and, you know, not not just cheap, but like that, you know, people who are like, you know, working regular jobs, making, you know, less or much, much less than $100,000 a year can, can rent. And like, why can't we just solve the problem in that really obvious, clear way of having places that people can afford to live. Yeah. Um, So the problem is that we have created a situation where all housing is served or all housing is provided by the market. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, to really simplify the timeline, a lot of things have caused this to happen, but it really starts with Nixon. He creates a moratorium on building new public housing. So this is uh, this is housing funded by the government. People might call it the projects, um, towers. Uh, you know, it just think like 1960s um, public housing. So that was how we used to build it. Um, then Reagan really kicks it up and um, basically restructures the way that we fund. Uh, housing projects and and I'm saying project as in like housing affordable housing not not just towers but um, mm-hmm. the Nixon or the Reagan administration creates something called LIHTC the Low Income Housing Tax Credit 
that is how we fund affordable housing today. And the way it works is basically the IRS says every year, uh, we have these so many billions that can be written off for people who provide affordable units. And the way a tax credit works is it's just any, any of your tax burden at all. So like, even if it's beyond the total tax burden caused by, you know, being a developer, like your development company, you can apply it to your other uh, tax burden as well. So basically the government gives these, uh, well, we'll get to who gets it in a second, but people who get a, a tax credit for building low-income housing can then apply it to their full tax burden and that's it. Um, but this is an enormous amount of money per person. So like mm-hmm. you, me, even if we were wealthy, um, it would be too much. So people either have to form syndicates, which are like investors that come together to take the tax credits um, and spread them out among several people, or uh, it's mm-hmm. just banks. Uh, a lot of low-income housing is funded by banks who are seeking to limit their tax burden. Um, what what has happened is now low-income housing is not, um, the point is not to provide low-income housing. The point is to provide a tax incentive to the private sector, mostly banks. Um, it ew. gets a lot. What? Yeah, I said, ew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I do wish that Bernie Sanders had said more about LIHTC when he talked about banks. I feel like people in 2016 really started to understand that banks are the enemy, um, but mm-hmm. people today are unable to realize that the banks are causing our housing crisis as well. Um, and for a lot more reasons than LIHTC. But it gets a lot worse because then under the Clinton administration, they were passing this uh, big housing bill. And um, the only way they could do it was, it's a very Joe Manchin type situation, was to find one Republican, um, mm-hmm. uh, Sen- Senator Faircloth. And then his, his stipulation was that he would sign off on this bill if there was an amendment that said we can't build any additional units than the total number of units that existed in October 1st, 1999. So since 1999, a lot of units have been demolished. So there's still, you know, you'll still see affordable housing being built by the government, but you cannot go past whatever number your city had at that time. It might be state, but um, that there is a cap. So there Mm. cannot be, until we get rid of that amendment, there can't be any massive construction of public housing. And don't, I've heard some people say that cities and states potentially have ways of getting around that. Is that true? Not really. Um, Yeah, it's true if they created some other organization or ad uh, Mm. agency. So the way that all the money flows is it's from either the IRS for LIHTC or the Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD. Um, it goes eventually to public housing authorities, PHAs. Uh, in New York City, it's NYCHA. Uh, in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Housing Authority. Um, just type in your city name and housing authority, and then you'll know what it is. Um, those get all of the HUD funds. So they get 
you know, like it's called the Community Development Block Grant is a really big HUD program. And you can use that for quite a bit of things. You can build affordable housing with that, I believe. Um, you can do like programs to help low-income people. It's basically redistributing um, funds to fund cities, basically, is one of HUD's biggest programs. HUD also does Section 8, which is the housing choice voucher. And that's how a lot of people uh, are able to afford rent. What people say when they talk about getting around Faircloth, it almost requires in every instance creating some other authority that isn't the public housing authority. So you would create this other thing that does not get HUD funding, because if you do get HUD funding, you're subject to the Faircloth Amendment. So we really, really, really need to get rid of this shit. And I know that it... Yeah, big time. Yeah. And AOC and I think Bernie Sanders... um, have have talked about that and i think that there was a you know there was a bill in the house to get rid of it and i'm not sure if it passed or not but it had no um i mean obviously was not going to pass in the senate so it was one of those things that like Mm. the house was doing sort of symbolically which is good but it would be a lot better obviously if they just were able to get rid of it all together yeah absolutely i think uh it was omar put the most recent repeal um, AOC has put in at least one bill to repeal the Faircloth Amendment. So yeah, the the squad generally is against the Faircloth. Um, I feel like anybody who finds out about the Faircloth Amendment, even, even market urbanists to some degree are against it um, because it's pretty egregious. Yeah. I mean, you know, so like the, the thing with a lot of this like new, new urbanism, um yimby stuff even people who are just kind of maybe not super invested in it but you know are just kind of like hey there's actually this it's really expensive to get an apartment like even people who are just not psycho at all they're just like i just want a place to live man i don't know just something there's this very um you know there's this idea that i think because of all the things that you mentioned that the only solution available to us right now is to basically just let developers do whatever they want and hope that they you know build enough housing that the the i'm doing the jerk off motion in my head that the laws of supply and demands kick in you know and yeah uh that that lowers the prices enough that you know it it starts to, people just are able to to get places to live and i mean i can understand that because there are like so many political obstacles as you were noting to doing really anything else and you know i i guess just like to me the question is like whether you believe that that would even work like whether like just letting developers do whatever they want would actually even result in the price going down substantially and i i don't think it will but what what's your thought on that? Yeah, so what people don't understand about supply and demand is that, well, that's macroeconomics, first of all. So it's just like looking at, it's the idea of economics. Um, but these are uh, very distinguished sub-markets. So like we were talking about the 2,300 and up apartments, the 15 and under apartments, those are completely different markets. Like they don't really relate to each other Um there are different people who want to live in them, people who can afford them. 
And so I, I would say flat out that if we increase supply of affordable units, we would be in a better situation, but that's not exactly the same as saying um, increasing supply would lower costs. Um, and there are a lot of reasons why it wouldn't, uh, but I guess the best way to look at it is like, uh, if you look at like housing crashes. So mm-hmm. in our lifetimes, uh, we had one in the early nineties, we had one in 2008 and we're in one right now. Um, and there've been other dips throughout that time. Uh, so none of those have to do with regulations. None of those have to do with, um, zoning or, you know, having, having run out of places to build or like, you know, oh, the developer can't build a 40 unit building. So they're not going to build at all. Like, that's not what's going on. Like these crashes are caused by, you know, investment pressures. And, um, a lot of times the fed, the fed will increase interest rates and that will kind of fuck everybody over. Um, and it just causes developers to stop building, not just because, of you know the ongoing crisis, but also because they're not going to make the profit that they could make if they waited. Um, this will mm. always be the case. Like they are able to wait. They're like major, you know, major capital here. Like they don't have to invest all the time. You know, they they are going to wait until conditions are optimum. So that's the things like uh, deregulating you know, uh, what do they say? Like uh, cities like this are illegal in most places in the United States. Well, that's the thing is like, if, if we were to deregulate land, if we were to upzone everything, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't see any material difference. I don't see that, uh, developers would then all of a sudden like build in clusters. First of all, they wouldn't build in clusters. They just build wherever. Um, but also they would stop building when they stop making money. Um, that's what they do when, when developers are interviewed like the New York times or wherever, like they are just talking about profits. Like they're very, they're very forward about that. Uh, and the market urbanists, uh, I don't know, I guess they're paid mostly to ignore that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's truly a profit driven industry. Yeah. I mean, that's, that seems so obvious. All, all industries are profit driven and I don't really know why people want to like ignore that stuff. I mean, you know, I just have to say to listeners, we are coming into this conversation for the first time. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. You know what a zone is now. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, to me, I guess like the thing that concerns me more than the market urbanist guys is because it's like, you know, neolibs are going to neolib. That's the thing. Yeah. I am very concerned about how much traction market ideology you know this kind of like trickle down Reaganomic stuff has got in on the socialist left because what i find to be very destructive is like okay you know so we like obviously there's these huge huge obstacles to building public housing but like you know an obstacle that we have now that maybe was not the case you know a few years ago is that there's not even really consensus among socialists that that's our demands, right. you know, right. and, you know, uh, maybe I'm overestimating this because there's also, you know, a growing movement of organized tenants that I think is, you know, not really 
going for like a you know condo deregulation at all they're going for <laughs> other stuff but it's just um you know i i think that the the, the kind of like uh yeah we can you know fix all our problems just by changing zoning i i'm very surprised at how many socialists believe that these days because yeah. it's you know it's it's just ronald reagan kind of stuff yeah so, it is yeah, yeah i don't I don't know how we got here. Um, I was, you know, big in the Bernie movement. I think that really helped pull me left as any uh, white man probably uh, got into it that way. But um, I, I got know. into it because I liked harassing women on the Internet. That was <laughs> that was for me. That was why I loved Bernie Sanders. Yeah, that, that's what got me into it, too. I was like, yeah. now, now, now I'm so old. Yeah, he made me feel safe yelling at girls. So exactly, exactly. I'm like, oh wow, this can be progressive now. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the reply, guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, there's just a vacuum. Um, I don't. I don't like the idea of politician worship. Uh, I'm appreciative for Bernie Sanders, but uh, we. It, it's clear that it was kind of a cult following. Um, People are not, you know, I, I want to blame capitalism. I think, I think it's actually yeah. fair to do so. Like, I don't think people have the time. They definitely don't have the energy. I don't have the energy to do this, honestly, mm -hmm. but um, to, to read, to learn, to, to meet your neighbor. Uh, people don't like that. Um, I don't know. It's just, there's these things about socialism that are involve heart and, I think that it became too logical uh, in both 2016 and 2019. Like when you fall into mm -hmm. these like logic traps, then things like supply and demand, you can be tricked into it very easily when like you think that socialism is like purely logical. Um, socialism is an ideology just as neoliberalism is like it, it's our belief that this is the right thing to do, <laughs> the right thing to do. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, I just think that that's how these leftists that are like big DSA people, um, they're just, they just fall for it. And it, it might also be a thing where uh, rezoning is concrete and it, you can say after rezoning, it's like, we did this, we did something. Um, mm -hmm. Not many, not many socialists get to walk away saying like, we, we really did it. Um, and so even though they're doing something that is probably harmful to the people that are living in the area um, mm -hmm. they can walk away and say like we are allowing housing providers um to oh yeah build. yeah uh, so i think i think it's just like a lack of education or maybe just a lack of uh knowing what socialism is you know it's very aesthetic um it's not cool mm -hmm. to be a democrat anymore um I, I don't, you know, I don't mean to disparage. There are a lot of comrades in the DSA, um, but there are also a lot that are like just pushing the most 1980s bullshit that uh, we can't escape. Like we simply can't get away from it. And um, mm -hmm. it's, it's not a good sign right now for the movement. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, I, I think that, like rezoning, I mean, that's a real easy one because developers are some of the most rich and powerful corporations in the country. And many times they're also 
the same people as these giant banks. It's literally the same mm-hmm. company, like JP Morgan Chase is a big developer, for example. But you know, like what what giant capital wants to happen will typically happen. So it's right. like whether or not you yeah. are like a guy who's talking about zoning all the time and weirding women out, frankly, with this behavior, <laughs> you know, like this, the re- what, what, what giant capital wants to occur, which is, you know, to be able to, you know, make these like giant super towers that, you know, like that, you, you know, I'm, I, what I'm saying is you don't really need to do anything for that to happen. Like that's just right. going yeah. to happen, you know? Right. Uh, it's not your accomplishment yeah. it's they're not like oh well like you know i mean 25 guys with weird little mustaches showed up at this community <laughs> meeting so i guess we better do what chase bank wants you know like that's yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> there's no analysis well, of power yeah well kate i've been i've been told online by multiple people that maybe if i don't like what's happening. I should work hard enough and become a landlord myself. And then I can give people what they want. So I'm considering that as I never thought about it before, you know, I was like, Oh wow, that's an option for me uh, to become that. So have you considered that? I don't know. You know, seems very (laughs) Um, reasonable. That's a very real, uh, that's what they want. Uh, I posted, I don't know. I I try to be um, an asshole on Twitter quite a bit um because you know what what's the, the only way anymore? bernie yeah. taught us how <laughs> so, but i think i think where my kind heart shines through is that i don't i don't usually quote tweet people i subtweet um every pretty much every tweet on my feed is a subtweet of some asshole but um i don't know i posted i don't even know what i posted but somebody retweeted me and was like um says the urban planner after denying an accessory dwelling unit in somebody's backyard. And I guess I should have explained what an accessory dwelling unit is first, but like that is a, like a little building in your backyard that in your you literal backyard. Rent out. Yeah. In, yes. Yes. In my backyard, <laughs> even you, um, you can, you can rent it out. So, you know, like maybe you have a two-story garage, you park under it and somebody rents above it. I'm not against these. I don't really care, but the fact is like, I think that the market urbanists are so into the idea of ADUs because it does open up landlording to a whole new class of people. Like mm. it, the idea of being a landlord is like an end for a lot of these people, I think. Um, yeah. And they'll and admit it a lot of the time. Like they, they don't, will, a lot of them are landlords too. Like they, you know, mm-hmm. and they have their sob stories and, it gets really weird. Like that one who talked about how uh, he couldn't build an ADU for his grandma and then she died. And he oh blamed God, I'm so the nin- sorry I'm like, laughing, but. <laughs> well, it, it's not real. It's not a real story. And like yeah. he, bl- he blamed NIMBYs. He was like, oh, and it's the NIMBYs fault that like childcare is so expensive. And like, just like they tie up all these like, extreme social problems like wage and labor and just to like oh well if if everybody could be a landlord uh, you know if, if we could just build whatever we wanted do whatever we want then everybody be prosperous and you know they are unable yeah. to see that like the landlord there has to be uh, another force like it can't just be a landlord there is also a tenant you know but 
I know. I, I feel like it's funny because I feel like even like the term landlord itself has given these people so much power. <laughs> uh, I'm just like, I feel like we just need to change the terminology as well because these people really think that they're gods. And I'm just like, no, nah, man, you're just uh, a <laughs> jackass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A housing yeah. idiot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's it's so funny. It's just like I, I literally every time I read something online about landlords, like, and I hear, see these sob stories and stuff, then I'm just like, it's insane to me how people believe that. Like, someone posted about like how uh, they needed like to uh, they lost their key and they needed like you know a new key, obviously, and they went to their landlord and they charged them like almost like a hundred dollars or something, and it was like four dollars for the key, and then someone was like, yeah. The rest of it is the inconvenience of your landlord having to stand in line mm. to make a copy of your key. And I was just like, you genuinely think this is reasonable. And you just posted yeah. that online. Why? Awful. Awful. I mean, to me, it's just like, you know, I mean, in comedian, ter- in comedian terms, there's just really nothing more cocked than defending <laughs> the powerful. Like, it's just... <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just an embarrassing level of bootlicking to be yeah, yes. going to bat for landlords. I mean, you should just be humiliated, I think, to do that in public. You know, yeah. I mean, like even not saying anything about it at all. That's a totally valid choice, arguably one that I should probably I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, oh, God, I wish I never learns about any of this stuff but it's good but it's just like um i mean to just it's like and i think you've made this point before in a really eloquent way where it's like if you are gonna say something say something that challenges power and you know say something that advocates for people who really need help instead of landlords and giant billionaire corporations i mean that's just pathetic behavior in my opinion you know absolutely yeah like the whole thing about like you should become the power and change stuff and it's just like do you think that's accessible yeah like even if i like you're right and the the uh the solution is for me to become a landlord and become powerful and like do you think that's accessible and easy to do mm-hmm. right uh, yeah exactly and also like ignores the fact that most of these people like either had like inherited these like land and like apartments and stuff so like what you're saying is i have to go back in time and be born to rich parents cool what did they say about you kate that you had a 10 million dollar inheritance coming i had 10 million dollar inheritance (laughs) yeah they've said all the time that they can't decide if i'm a extremely wealthy celebrity comedian or if i'm a failed comedian they're not on the same page on this issue yeah. <laughs> the, the reality is i'm a working comedian <laughs> like yeah. it was not, not famous but <laughs> it's just a, a regularly working comic and that's okay with me i like it um but you know it's i think that there is this like idea that to me is just so insidious that like by you know like just defending the most powerful corporations in the in the world all day that that is you know a one for one relationship with fighting for the marginalized and i mean you know that's uh how convenient right because right. i i don't know but personally i just think it's really pathetic behavior to be like 
you know, going around your neighborhood canvassing for the interest of a bank. That's yeah. just so silly, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I I do try to hit that in my videos um, where it, it's just you don't need to say anything at all because <laughs> they're going to get what they want. Like, if not now in three years, like, it's yeah, not, it, yeah, yeah, it, you know, I've done several planning efforts where like the city will be like, it's time to redo the plan for this area because mm -hmm. somebody wants to invest, you know, like it, it happens like zoning rezoning. It happens all the time. Um, mm -hmm. And people are like, we have to get rid of it. Um, but it, I, I don't, I could talk about zoning for hours and hours, but uh, basically I think that, um, an individual has very little say in getting good things to happen through zoning. Um, I don't mm -hmm. love zoning. Most people don't like love zoning. Um, people but, who do are weird. We, that, we'll give yeah. them that. The people who love yeah. zoning mm -hmm. are psycho usually. So yeah. yeah. There's no extreme is good here. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, through zoning, you can prevent things like you, the best thing about zoning is that you have the ability to speak. Um, but the yeah. thing is pretty much always, if there's enough money on the other side, you're, you're really just negotiating for less harm, but um, you know, mm -hmm. harm is still eminent depending on the power of the, the person who triggers the rezoning. Cause usually you'd have to be yeah. pretty, pretty big company. And specifically big, just to like, just to kind of contextualize that in like a concrete way, you know, some of the ways that people can negotiate uh, less harm would be like, you know, to negotiate for like a higher percentage of below market rate units or for some mm -hmm. community benefits. Right. Is that the kind of stuff? Yeah, exactly. About? Okay, cool. Um, though a lot of states um, don't even allow that. So, um, you know, you, uh, you have to, in some places you have to already have a law that has, you know, affordable units as like a percentage. Um, but you can also negotiate things like, um, say your neighborhood's like four story buildings and then they're trying to build, you know, some wonderful dystopian Blade Runner type city next to you, <laughs> um, which I've seen so many posts of like, just like 20 story buildings and people are like, this is the city I want to live in. I'm like, it's stressful. I don't think people like love walking around Midtown. And it's you know, cold. It's, it's I mean, yeah. I don't really care. Look, if you build a giant affordable, like public housing tower, okay, great. Like, fuck yeah. But mm -hmm. just having a city full of high rises, like it's, you don't see the sun. I've lived in places yeah. like that. It's, it's kind of a bummer. It's not like great, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you get like, so the negotiation there would be like getting less intense height you know like kind of scale down to your neighborhood there it's like there are all these like things you can do with zoning um both in like the form of the neighborhood but also the affordable units being brought in um parks you can you can argue for public space um you can try and get the developer to to build a bus stop or you know there's all these things you can do and zoning is the only thing that like allows that like to be spoken about you know otherwise it'll just if you if you as they say allow everything by right uh if you let anything be built 
to completely deregulate the zone, um, then you don't really get the ability to speak with the developer as a community. Um, they can just do whatever they want. And um, it just, it makes sense to have something in place that at least, at least allows for input at some point, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just, I've been thinking about for the past like day or two, I've just been thinking about how hard white liberals hit the point for like about a decade that we need to listen to people of color, specifically (laughs) that phrase over and over again. I think that's good. I think that was the right idea. And now it's like a lot of those same people, like the super kind of like, you know, I hate this word, but like woke identity politics kinds of liberals, like people who are not really like looking through a class lens whatsoever. Those are the same people who are specifically trying to remove laws in neighborhoods where a lot of people of color live that let them Mm -hmm. contribute and speak in like the planning process. Like you're, you're actually trying to shut people up fucking own that it's so racist in my opinion yeah i i saw a twitter bio the other day that said blm it had a land acknowledgement and the entire purpose of that account is to um shit on public input and so like just uh the idea that you could you could support black communities and then also actively scheme to limit their ability to speak about their own community um i think that's where we're at i think that's a lot of these people do think that they're like yeah. a force of good and change, but they are behaving in like very um, status quo American racist type uh, ideologies. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, people like people, a lot of these, and I will say dudes because they mostly are, and I will say white because they mostly are. It's mm-hmm. not everybody, but that is the general profile of like a market urbanist, uh, super Yimby type guy, you know, they are like one thing they talk about a lot is like the history of exclusionary zoning and redlining mm-hmm. and just, you yeah. know, that the, the, like the real estate industry, you know, just like all the ways that, you know, racism has been, um, enacted there, you know, through mortgage loans mm-hmm. and you know just all kinds of things you know people being like not rented to because of you know their race i mean it, it really horrible stuff and they know about that stuff and so my it's my question yeah. to them my question to those people is what day do you think the racism stopped like yeah. what what day do you think that the real estate industry became a force for anti-racism and bringing about uh justice like what was that little turn like like what kind of you know reflection and change did they make because it's like it's still racist it's really racist yeah. still and it's we're not gonna get like a just society by letting these corporations do whatever they want that's just not going to happen you know Mm -hmm. yeah that's exactly right i think there is through like um i have not read it i don't know if i'm going to read it but the color of law uh seems to be where a lot of these ideas come from and it does like have a really in-depth timeline of injustices and i think what has happened is people are very hung up on the horrible things we did in the past to the point that they are not concerned about the horrible things we're doing right now. Um, Mm. 
personally, my personal belief is that the harm that we've caused to uh, BIPOC communities in the past and low-income communities should be resolved through reparations, through programs, um, through giving money uh, where it's needed, but uh, upzoning and creating, you know, walkable communities, bikeable communities for these people. Um, I don't see how that's going to change, especially because so many of these communities are car oriented and just making their direct surroundings, you know, a walkable area, which I do support walkability. Don't this is it's so hard to talk about this because they've really co-opted all the good of urban planning too. But like, you have to look at these things like, okay, make this area walkable and dense, but then no tenant protections and no like concern for people who work outside of the area, which probably most of them do if it's a distressed area, you know? So there's just this weird, weird concern about like the racist policies that we had in the thirties and forties um, and not really, as you said, Kate, considering what's happening right now um, with the way that we gentrify and develop low-income communities. Yeah, I mean, and the point is, is like, we don't really have to, I mean, you know, what people want in their community is going to be different in different circumstances and in different communities. And like, none of us are in a position to define that for you know people we don't know in communities that we don't live in but the point the point is is like this debate about zoning like it's it's unfortunate that it, it is framed as like about zoning because it's an obnoxious term that makes people's eyes roll back in their head and is, is typically the hobby of some of the worst and most boring people on the internet but like yeah. or you know not even on the internet like you know just people the kind of person like the kind of person who's just like i love town meetings like that's not someone that most of us want to know but like the point is is like their goal is is to remove any way that people do have for expressing what they want to happen mm -hmm. in their community like we we don't have to we don't have to say communities can say but that is antithetical to like the you know the uh the, the goal of these dudes and and in some sense it makes sense because you know they're talking about like these like they love to reference these like rich white communities that have really you know weaponized zoning to be exclusionary and racist but they will not admit that like a lot of this a lot of these battles are development capital fighting primarily BIPOC communities and they're not yeah. like that's the part that they don't cop to and that's really frustrating to me yeah exactly um also what people they always want to blame the suburban homeowner like that's the that's the cause mm -hmm. you know it's it's their fault that housing's commodified like that article that was just released uh in the atlantic um cut that out. i don't know i don't want to talk about that but um <laughs> the uh, most ghoulish 27 year olds I, ever exist <laughs> yeah i need to figure that one out i think that's a video but um but yeah so it in the suburbs, poverty is increasing faster than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Like displacement is pushing poor people, um, especially BIPOC people into the suburbs. And 
people are just like, we need to have a war on the suburbs. We need to, you know, upzone the suburbs. We need to do all this and that. It's like you, it's getting to the point where the people in the suburbs are the people that can't live in the cities anymore. They're people who mm-hmm. have to drive, um, people who have really no, no power in the world at all. I'm not saying everybody in the suburbs is like that there are wealthy enclaves in the suburbs, um, especially in California. This seems to be, uh, there's a lot of California that bleeds into the rest of the country. Um, and I think that that's, that's really like the Yimby movement starting in California and the moving into the nation is also a big problem. But, um, but basically we can't, we can't think about the suburbs as like a, just a disdainful place because there's also, you know, a, a fight to be had there too. Well, Josh, this has been really informative and I appreciate your coming on the show so much. When, where can people find your work? Uh, you can find me on YouTube. Uh, I have four videos uh, at Radical Planning. Um, mm-hmm. I think now YouTube, you can just do an, an at. You can just type in youtube.com and then do slash at Radical Planning. They're um, so good. I've watched all of them like multiple times and they're okay. really, yeah. so really funny too. Really, yeah, really funny stuff. Um, yeah, I'm hoping and- to kick it up in the next year. Uh, I'm taking a break Hell right yeah. now. Yeah, that Amazing. makes sense. Well, thank you so much. And um, yeah, we just really appreciate you. And listeners, please check out Josh's videos. I think you will really love them because we got to get out of the jackass zone. <laughs> we, we, we can't live in the neoliberal jackass zone anymore. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Reply, guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. The show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Muhammad al Sheikhi. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song is performed by Emily Fremgen and written by Emily with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we are at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's, and I am at Muhammad al Sheikhi. And Twitter is where you can find our reply guys. They are always with us. Bernie? Take us out. As I went walking that ribbon of highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is your land.